does the world around us impact our chances of developing a chronic illness? That's a question often pondered by epidemiologists who look at type 2 diabetes through a very different lens than the scientists who look through microscopes in their labs. I'm Krista Lamb, and today on the Diabetes Canada podcast, we're talking to Dr. Laura Rosella. Dr. Rosella is an associate professor of epidemiology, a Canada research chair, and the scientific director of the Population Health Analytics Laboratory at the Dalla School of Public Health at the University of Toronto. Dr. Rosella is looking at population health and how the world around us affects our chances of developing type 2 diabetes. Welcome, Dr. Rosella. Thank you so much for having me. And the first thing I want to ask you, because I don't know if everybody listening will know this, but what is an epidemiologist? What does that mean and what do you do? It's a good question. Um, so epidemiology, actually one of the first definitions is that it's actually, actually an applied discipline focused on tackling practical problems. Um, and I think the one thing that distinguishes epidemiology from other aspects of science is that we're focused on the drivers of health in the whole population. And uh, so our stance is looking at you know millions of people at a time, looking how all the complex factors and determinants of health influence uh, the development of the disease and and uh, maintaining well-being in the population. And population health has a really big impact on type two diabetes. And so one of your goals is to help prevent type two diabetes. And so how does population health health support that? Well. Uh, The development of type 2 diabetes and many chronic diseases is quite complex. And so a population health perspective is really about understanding it's not one risk factor, it's not one thing one individual does, it's not one gene you inherit, it's your your environment, it's health-related factors, it's non-health-related factors, and all those things together actually contribute to the risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Um, We also know that the solutions, which is again what epidemiology is really focused on, isn't about a a one-size-fits-all approach. It's about understanding all these complex pathways and figuring out strategies to make sure that we can tackle them so that we can reduce the burden of type 2 diabetes. And so looking at diabetes risk, we often see articles in the paper, Dr. Jillian Booth's study about walkability in neighborhoods, a lot of attention around that. Dr. Teresa Tam, the Chief Public Health Officer of Canada, has talked a lot about the need for governments and society to sort of work together to create these solutions because we often think, oh, it's it's a lifestyle thing, but there's so many more aspects at play. So how does your work kind of factor into that? Yeah, those, those are two excellent examples. And my work's really about situating all of the activities we do for diabetes prevention in that broader context. So uh, it's, it's not just about only walkability and it's not just about what you eat every day it's all of it together and if we are only focused in one of those settings and not the other we're not going to have the impact that we want so there's a lot of individually focused prevention uh, approaches that are really important and uh, really need to be carried out to address this and really help individuals but if we're not thinking about the context of where those individuals live the other factors around them, the factors that are out of their day-to-day control and tackling those, we're not going to have the impact that we want. And I think you talked a little bit earlier about um, how we all have to work sort of together in this circular fashion to try and like create almost like a 360. And I know Diabetes Canada has been really working on their Diabetes 360 program. And a lot of that has population impact. So is that different than population health or how, to, how would you define that? I think we can only have population impact if we embrace a population health approach. And um, 
I think that's what the, the strategy is really embracing, recognizing that individuals need care, uh, there are individual uh, factors that we can target for prevention, and they need to see their healthcare providers. None of that changes, but we're understanding that there's broader forces at play, and how do we integrate that into the strategy? And so we've been working at diabetes prevention for a long time, and there have been a lot of great advancements. Um, one of the potential criticisms have been not everybody has benefited from that. And so when, when you look at, a, at the population level, we may be preventing diabetes in certain individuals, and there actually may be other individuals that are actually at becoming at increased risk. And that's actually what's happening in many populations around the world, including Canada. And so if you think about we're going to have an impact on diabetes, what does that mean? It means we're going to have fewer new cases of diabetes. When people have diabetes, they're going to uh, be healthier, live longer, et cetera. Well, to get to that first point, we want to make sure that everyone's benefiting and that we're addressing all the root causes of that. Okay, and so when we're talking about things like that, does that include sort of um, how we study populations? So for example, I. I know that in some studies they've said, well, we don't have a lot of ethnic diversity or we don't necessarily have a good gender balance. Did those things play into this or, or not so much? They do very much. And so when you're an epidemiologist or a population health researcher like me, you your uh, subjects are the population. So you actually can't say, well, I'm just going to focus on this group or I'm going to focus on that group or I'm only going to look at the high risk. Our goal is to make sure that everybody in the population is at reduced risk and make sure we're applying the right approaches for the right people. And so we embrace the complexity and um, the you know, uh, diversification in the population and try to understand it and unpack it and see how it's playing a role. And when you do that, some very interesting, interesting things pops up. So your postal code is very influential on your diabetes risk, um, whether or not you're in a supportive household, whether or not you live alone, uh, these are all factors that uh, they seem a little obscure, but if we're just sort of living in the bubble and pretending they're not, they're not existing, we're not going to be able to have the impact, including with the individual approaches that we would like. So is this similar? We had uh, Dr. Kaberi Dasgupta on the show a little right. while ago, and she talked about how women who have gestational diabetes during pregnancy, their spouses or partners often are at higher risk for type 2 diabetes. And there's clearly not a genetic link there, so that would be more of a population health issue? Yeah, because a population health researcher would look at that and say, well, there's some shared risk factors, clearly, in that environment, and then that environment being the household. And what does that relate to? Does that relate to the availability of food? Does that re relate to their ability to do physical activity? Does that relate to other social stresses in the house? Um, and there's a very good chance that those risk factors are also going to translate to the child. Um, so it's about looking at those commonalities across populations, in that case across a household, and seeing can we tackle it some other way. And the way that we tackle those things aren't our usual it's not the usual business, right? We're, we're starting now to think of societal factors and other ways that we can address it. And you have a diabetes risk tool, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, and is, I'm guessing that's one of the ways that you assess it, and, and can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So uh, the diabetes population risk tool takes routinely collected data on populations, so kind of exactly what we're talking about. We look at all factors, uh, behavioral factors, socioeconomic factors, and uh, the most important thing about the tool is that we developed it so it runs on data that's available to lots of people. Because we found that there's lots of people interested in diabetes prevention, 
but they didn't have tools to sort of estimate what the future burden would be and what could be some approaches to articulate what I'm talking about, which actually is pretty abstract to most people. So how do we change population health? So we developed and validated a tool that uh, we can train people how to use or we can run it for them. And with the tool, they've been able to integrate it into their surveillance activities. So typically, uh, a health system or region will say, well, how many people have diabetes? That's a very important place to start. Who are they? What do they look like? Well, this is just an add-on to that to say, well, given all the things we know about their population, about their um, behavioral characteristics, their socioeconomic status, who will develop diabetes and what impact will it have? And the impact that we use in that tool is not just new cases of diabetes, which is very important, but healthcare costs. Um, so that becomes um, a really critical planning tool to inform strategies. And, and we've uh, several organizations have taken it up and integrated it into their planning. And what they've realized is that um, they're doing a lot of great initiatives. The initiatives themselves aren't, aren't uh, wrong, they're actually exactly the right thing that needs to be done, but maybe they were targeting at the right, wrong populations or they were targeting it too focused. And if you try and look at the future burden, that's actually not gonna have the dent that they were hoping to have. So it's a tool to help them carry out population health thinking as it relates to diabetes prevention. And I would guess that like healthcare costs is also a really important factor for getting governments uh, interested and on board because if you can show how there's going to be savings or how we can help people but also reduce the economic burden, that's got to be something that plays into the decision making. Absolutely. It was a really important development. So when we initially developed the tool, it was just focused on new cases of diabetes. And when we were talking about that uh, with governments and other decision makers, that was important, but still a little abstract. One of the hardest things about prevention is showing your value, because if you've done your job right, it doesn't happen. <laughs> so it's really hard to say, like, so we can say, well, we have these many people with diabetes and now we're treating them according to guidelines, or now we're making sure they have this test they're supposed to have. It's really hard to say we prevented that case that you actually didn't see. So adding healthcare costs was a really important way to tangibly say this is the impact. It's a function of how many new cases, but it's also the resource burden to the health system. And uh, especially our public health colleagues really found that useful in communicating the benefits of their prevention activities and, uh, and the benefits of investing in prevention. So that was a key aspect. Is it similar to with, with smoking, for example? Before, we didn't talk a lot about people quitting smoking, but now we're seeing the economic advantages once we started talking about all of the reasons you should quit smoking and all of the health risks associated with smoking. But now the government is seeing, I would assume, reduced costs because fewer people are smoking. So is it similar to that analogy? Yeah, I think it's a very good analogy. And it's, it's about compelling policy action. And so m many people will get behind the idea of, yeah, we don't want our population to have new cases of diabetes, for sure. And actually, look at all these healthcare uh, all this healthcare burden that we could avert um, if we do that. So it's it's about adding a piece to compelling the, the, the action needed, and that certainly was the case for smoking um, in terms of uh, regulating uh, smoking and uh, interventions that happened in the environment as opposed to individual uh, taxation approaches. Um, it was very key. And it, it seems to me that one of the things that's a little bit different is that with smoking, there's a very strong individual component. And I know with diabetes, it's a lot more complex than that. It's not as simple as just don't do this thing and this won't happen to you. Yes. So how do you balance sort of the idea that 
people often have that it's an individual's responsibility with diabetes when what we know with type 2 diabetes is that it, it often has a lot more involved. Yeah, and I, I think what, what's important to me is that taking a population health approach is not necessarily the opposite of taking an individual approach. Actually, it, it, what, it is what helps us be successful in taking individual uh, health approaches. So indiv every individual's needs are important. Um, th them taking control of their health and being uh, able to do the right things is really important. And there are some uh, factors that actually need to be carefully monitored and, and taken care of with a healthcare professional. And absolutely, none of that needs to change. But if we understand these collective forces uh, that are at play and we alleviate some of those, um, we can actually help do the individual stuff a lot better. And so, for example, um, an individual that's struggling with uh, dietary influences or healthy eating or time to do physical activity, if we're able to get at some of the barriers of that, which is not their own motivation or their physician telling them, all that stuff's happening for the most part. Um, then we can enable those individual approaches. And I think the other key thing is that we're applying the right approaches to the right people and for the right reasons, as opposed to thinking, well, we know these things cause diabetes, we know this person's at risk, therefore we put them together. It's a bit more complicated. Some people may need more, some people may need different types of intervention, and usually those come from population factors where they come from, their, their social surrounding, their family surrounding, their ethnic background. All those things are what played into it. And then we can enable the individual approaches that we know are effective. And is there anything, if you're listening to this right now and wondering, well, how do I see this in my community? Are there mm -hmm. things that are in the communities now or coming into communities that you see that are, are having impacts like this? Yeah, I think for me, the most exciting things that are happening in community are really focused on uh, community well-being and broader risk factors. So you might not see it as a diabetes-specific strategy, but strategies around making food uh, healthier in our schools, uh, workplaces, um, increasing physical activity, efforts for physical activity, opportunities for physical activity in our day-to-day -day life, um, all the efforts uh, focused at reducing social inequities, those all are gonna have very big impacts on diabetes incidence. Um, so it may not look like a diabetes-focused strategy, it may look like a community well-being strategy, it may look like a social determinants of health strategy, but those are the things that, you know, especially from our modeling work that we see will have the biggest impact in reducing the number of future cases of diabetes and healthcare costs. Well, well, this has been really, really interesting, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a great discussion. Awesome. So if you're interested in learning more about population health, I encourage you to go back and listen to Episode 1 of Season 2 featuring Diabetes Canada's President and CEO, Dr. Jan Hux. She's discussing Diabetes 360 and the importance of population impact to this program. And if you have future questions or you have comments about today's show or suggestion for guests or topic, please share them at info at diabetes.ca. We love to get your feedback. You can also reach us on social media. You can find Diabetes Canada on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook at Diabetes Canada. Thanks for listening.